Family's a big deal to me. Having grown up in a family that was a little disorganized, and now having my own, and then being a part of this family, it's huge, isn't it, to have people around you? That's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. I'm just going to get my stuff here. And uh, I got some group participation for us this morning. So I hope we brought our thinking caps as I sprawl out here. And I'm going to start my timer. I'm going to be a good boy today and not go too long. The nursery workers are threatening to stone me if that happens again. So we're not going to do that. It's a terrible way to end a day. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a logo, and then I'm going to ask you, what does that logo stand for? And then I'm going to ask you, what do they do? Is that simple enough? Ready for the first one? Here we go. First logo. Minnesota Twins, right? What do they do? They play baseball. So the goal of baseball is to get across this thing more times than your opponent does, right? Now, in order to play baseball, what do you need? Well, you need those. You're not supposed to say that first. You need players, right? The players are going to use the bat and the ball, just like you're saying. But that's what you need. You need players and you need a manager, right? He doesn't look like a very friendly guy. Would not want to. And here's the deal. It would be very strange if you saw him taking field instead of Joe Maurer. I mean, the coaches have a place, right? And the players have a place, right? Okay, you ready for the next logo? You know, when I was doing this two hours, how many of you have heard George Carlin when he does his thing between football and baseball? Like he says, in baseball, you have a home run. In football, you have a touchdown. And he kind of goes back and forth. Anyhow, if you haven't heard it, it's funny. You should listen to it. Next logo, you ready? Don't fall asleep on me. Here it is. Well, it says it right there, doesn't it? I looked for a logo that didn't say that. What do they do? They try to play basketball. Come on, Jake, show a little love. These Minnesota teams are doing everything they possibly can to get it done. But the goal of basketball is to get that ball through the hoop more times than your opponent does. And, of course, you need players, right? And you need a coach. He's empathizing with Jake's comments about they're trying to play basketball. I looked at it and I thought, I wonder how many times God rubs his head. Come on, Spencer. You know. But you need players and you need a coach. Now, here's the next logo. You ready? You guys are doing great so far. Who said soccer? Did you? That's really good. I didn't even know he had a soccer team. I don't mean to offend any soccer players here. I'm a football guy. I'm sorry. But yeah, it's soccer. So there's their, another one of their logos. There they are kicking the ball around. And that's their, their coach. Their, do they call them coaches in soccer? Do they? Do they? Because in baseball, it's a manager. That's one of the things that George Cohen talks about. You know, you have coaches and then you have managers. So, but we don't, I mean, football typically in Minnesota is not that. It's, right, this. I mean, that's, that's what we do. And for some reason, year after year, we seem to muster, I don't know how, hope that they're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know how that happens. And you need players, right? He's praying for a Super Bowl, you better believe. And that's the goal, right? In football, the goal 
is to get to the goal, to get in there and score a touchdown. In order to get that, you need some guys around you, and you need a coach. Right? Is it, any of this sound like rocket science to you guys? It makes sense, doesn't it? Right? That's what you need to have. Now, the coaches, just to be sure, they don't play. They coach the players who play. And that, um, that's an important dynamic. And here's something we haven't really talked about, but the fact is that the coaches don't decide what sport they're going to play. That's decided by the owner, the one who pays the bills, the big boss. Because, let's face it, if, in a, if on a certain practice day, if Adrian Peterson came with golf clubs and said, you guys, my knees are really sore. I'm tired of banging around like this. We're switching sports. We're going to play golf. What would the boss say? That's not what we're paying you to do, right? That's not what we're going to do. You can't, you can't do that. So you have a boss who tells you this is the sport. That's the sport you got to coach. The players have to be coached by that guy to do that sport. That's how it works. Is that shocking or not? I mean, are we, are we on the same page on that one? So here's the last one that I'll show you. It's kind of a logo. It's kind of an image. And you tell me uh, who they are and what they do. You ready? It's the church. What do they do? Oh, don't be so shy. What do they do? Worship? Okay. Fellowship? What? Serve? But there's a little unsureness about it, isn't it? Right? Because, like, when you look, you look at the twins, you go baseball, right? T-Wolves. Basketball. We even looked at, what is that? Is that a loon? What is that? Jake, the soccer guy? I don't know. Looks like a kind of a pink flamingo, but not pink. Anyhow, what is it? It's Falco. Oh, Falco. Okay, thank you. So we know when we look at these logos, this is what they do. But when we look at this, we kind of go, ah, I, you know, maybe. Um, and, then, and then who, who are the players? For real? Really? And who's the coach? That's why I'm doing this a lot. No, you guys are great players, but we have to think about it then. So what we really need to figure out is, what is this owner Jesus? What does is, what is he want? And that's in, in the work through the book of Ephesians. That's where we're at right now. As Paul is going to tell us, this is what the owner wants. This is what he wants you to do. You ready for this? And it's in, it's in your uh, bulletin there. There's an insert with... Uh, the version that I'm using, but it's also up here on the screen. We're going to start with, what does the boss want us to do? We're reading in the English Standard Version instead of normally reading NIV, but it's there in your bulletin. So, here's what Paul tells us. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together, by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, that makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So bottom line, Paul, what are we supposed to do? 
Well, what we're called to do is to bodybuild. That's a picture of me in my better days. I know it. You know it's Arnold, don't you? That's not me. He's not nearly as fuzzy as me. So here's the reality, though. We are called together to build this body. And I'm supposed to coach, and you're supposed to play. Right? Is this all making sense so far? I hope so. Because a lot of times we think that it will happen miraculously. Revivalists think all we need is this big revival and somehow it's just going to miraculously happen. It can't happen without you. Every one of you. Every single one of you. Each part working properly. And that's so important. The idea of working properly, recognizing, Lord, what is it that you have for me to do? How do I do this? I, I remember in high school, we had this guy who was the blind side left tackle. And we had a very good quarterback, but this blindside left tackle for some reason thought he could be a better quarterback, but he was too big to be that. He was the blindside tackle. And he would often complain. He'd go, you know, he'd, he'd start his block, and he, he was famous. The coach said, you know what, Doug, you're famous for lookout blocks. So what he would do is he'd try to get his, the defensive end and block him, get out of the way, and then when he'd get around him, he'd turn around and go, look out! <laughs> so he was famous for lookout blocks. And one day in practice, he finally just kind of took off his helmet and went, he, got, he has to get rid of the ball sooner. And that was it for the coach. The coach said, okay, Schwanz, you're quarterback. Mark Clausing was our, uh, was our actual quarterback. He says, Klaus, you get up there, you play left tackle. And then coach came in like he was going to call the defensive signal, and he said, Spencer, turn them all loose. So it was a firehouse blitz. All 11 guys are going after him. And then he turned around and he just whispered into the offensive line as they were going back to the huddle. He goes, just give a lookout block. Well, you can guess what happened, right? I mean, as soon as that whistle went off and Schwann's got that ball and he decides he's going to fade back and make this beautiful pass, wham! And everyone's going, look out! (laughs) Coach said, you got to work properly together as a team. I mean, sometimes we get this idea of, you know, we should be something that we're not. Later on, we're going to take a look at this verse, that grace is what helps us to recognize where we are. So we know each part's important. And then in the passage, it also talks about this fact that it's not like we're just lone rangers, like we're, we're doing this individually, but for some reason, as a body, as it forms, you want to joint. I mean, stand up for a second. Stand up. Now sit down. Now just stand up one more time. To Gary, Gary Worley, I caught you. He's like, I'm not doing this. But, he, you know, you, you can't. Now, now you may sit down. For real. I'm not going to ask you to stand up again for another five minutes. So here's the deal, though. The reason you can do those motions is because you have these muscles that are connected to ligaments, which are also in tendons, and they form a joint. And if you take out your knees and you try to do that, is that going to work, people? No. No, I have fake hips. You take those babies out and it's just going to be like a bad Elvis imitation. You got, we have to be together in a joint and we have to be together working properly. That's why Paul says, as each part does its work and as you build one another up in love. 
Now, what typically happens to us at this juncture is we begin to think that we've got to look at this through the lens of some spiritual gift. I must have like a spiritual gift, which is true. Every person in this room has natural and spiritual gifts. I would say they're all spiritual because they all come from God, right? You would agree with that. But here's what's important. Remember, going back to Brendan's message at the start of chapter 4, Paul says, I, I'm going to talk to you now about how to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Verse 1, chapter 4. Remember that? We're, we're going to teach you how to do this in a way that's really worthwhile, which is really going to exalt. And now, the passage that we're working from today, starting in verse 7, this is what... Um, Paul writes, and actually I want to read verse 6 first, and then verse 7. See, in verse 6 it says, There's one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So we recognize there's one God, right, who's made all of us. A.V. Clare, all of us, made all of us. But, look at verse 7, But grace was given to each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. So in other words, even though God's made us all, and he's in all, and he's for all, and he's above all, he has made unique creations. My mom used to say, you're one of a kind, and boy, am I glad. <laughs> right? You're, you're, each one of you are, are just these one-of-a-kind miracles. And so what Paul is saying isn't so much that you need to pay attention to your spiritual gift, but the fact of you are a gift. You are a gift. You, everything. And so what happens when you walk into a room and you want to come into the room in a way that lights up the room, that lights up people's smile, because you are a gift. And what, what Paul is saying is you're this carrier of grace. And so each one of us carries around this little grace light, and we're a gift. We need to give that. It isn't just a spiritual gift. It isn't that you're good with a hammer. It isn't that you, because that's important, but that's not nearly as important as who you are to each other. Does this make sense? Are you with me? And so what, what Paul is saying is that we are all sent just like Jesus in the fact that he left heaven, because in the very next verses it says, he left heaven, descended to earth, and you know, we know he made atonement, but part of the, the idea was as he left earth again, he gave us gifts of grace, divine favor. And with these gifts, he's saying, now what I want you to do is come together as a body, and not just a big uh, overarching, but I want you to recognize the joints, the people that I'm sending you to and the people that uh, I also have for you to connect with. We call them people of peace. It's this idea of God gives us clues and says, you know, I'm going to fit you together. I'm going to make a certain body joint out of you. And so you, not any of us here probably know all of us super well. As a pastor, I mean, I, I know your names, but I know little bits of your story. I don't know you as, as deeply as I, I wish I could. It's, but it's not possible, is it? You just, you can't, you can't get that far. But, but if you're in a group of people, let's say that's 
five or six or seven or eight or a dozen people and you're in this ongoing small group or a missional community or something like that, you're going to get to know each other and you're going to begin to understand what you bring to them and what they bring to you. Right? And so like when I go over to John and Laura Moline's small group, I could not pry those people apart with a crowbar, could I? Ain't no way. If I said, you know what, we're going to cut, kind of scatter you guys now, they'd scatter me all right. That's not, that's not happening because they, they have dug deeply and they've connected and grace works in their life. And I, I watched that group and, and they, they deliver grace to one another. They're interested when someone's sick, they're delivering grace. When someone has a need, they're delivering grace. When someone has prayer, they're delivering grace because they're building the body up. Does that make sense? And what Paul is saying is that's the most important thing to do. It takes these skills, but more than that, it takes this willingness to be a grace carrier into another person's life. And the rest of this letter is going to tell us specifics of what does it look like to be a grace-filled carrier into another person's life so you can build them up. I hope every person in this room has had an experience where another Christian has come into your life and built you up. I just got a text from Ben and he said, praying for you today, hope you're having a good time. We could call him. No, we better not. He's on vacation. That was a tempting idea, though. I got to get back on track here. So, because, like, look at, um, this is just one great example. This was, our, like, one of our favorite verses to teach our kids, you guys. Ephesians 4.29. Listen to this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Kids never do that, do they? We adults never do that, do we? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building one another up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And so the way the NIV says it is, let no unwholesome talk, but only say what is helpful to build the other up according to their needs. Oh, if the church could just do that, just that one thing, can you imagine how much grace we would encounter? Really? And so Paul is saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I, want, I want you to realize every part needs to be active. and Every part needs to be in a joint. and Every part needs to be a grace carrier. Do you understand this? Is this making sense? And so really what we want to do over the next season here, in the next five or six weeks, is to continue the journey through Ephesians, but to give you very practically, here are some things in terms of being a grace carrier, this is what it looks like. And also, here are some possibilities for getting equipped. Let me give you some examples. This fall, um, one of the groups that Brendan and I, um, Brendan in particular, has really been involved with is uh, Master's Institute Seminary. And they do a school of ministry where they come and they, they'll come to a campus, which happens to be our campus now uh, on Mondays starting in the fall. And they do a school of ministry. And their job there is they send other coaches. I'll, I'll coach one little session. But, you know, week after week, there's these different coaches that come in to equip you as players. What does it look like to be a grace-charged carrier and build one another up? And so there's information that, that are, it's out on the host table. There's information in there. 
I've known some people that have gone through the school of ministry. Doug and Kay Figgy are kind of our local hosts here. If, if you have said, man, I'd like to get more equipping, that's a great place to go get equipping. Another example of this, and, and, and this really hit home for me, when we did um, prepared for the dedications, we had a little class. This was Pastor Heidi's idea, and I thought, that's a marvelous idea, because then we get a chance to get to know one another and hear the questions. How many of you felt like you were experts with raising your kids? Exactly. I had a pastor friend, after they had the dream child. I mean, this child would go to sleep right around 10 o'clock and sleep all the way till 8 in the morning. I said, what kind of drugs are you giving this baby? What, you know, and so it was going so well that he said to me, he goes, I think I'm going to write a book about parenting. I said, don't you dare. Don't you dare write a book about parenting. You don't know nothing about parenting. You write a book about being lucky. He called me after they had the second one. He goes, Mark, you were so right. I can't write a book about parenting. I said, yeah. And he goes, I didn't pray that. I didn't pray that into being. That just happened. But so we're sitting and we're talking with these couples. And I, I love how earnest they are about raising their children in the ways of the Lord and, and how thoughtful they are. And, and, and all kinds of great questions came up like, well, what does it look like to teach them the Scriptures? And in 32 years of doing baby dedications, I guess I've never sat with parents and said, well, this is a couple of ideas of how you could do that. What does it look like to teach them to pray? I said, it's a good question. How do you help them connect with God? Excellent question. And so Heidi said, you guys have great questions. Hopefully we'll have a few good answers. But we want to sit down with you and talk. And I know... In, in, our, in my tradition, with five kids, there were certain things that we learned along the way. It doesn't mean my practices have to be yours, but they might be helpful. They could be some things. But the idea is, are we equipping these parents to do it? And you, who agreed, there might be some things that you've learned along the way. By all means, just say, would you like to hear what worked or what didn't work? <laughs> just so you don't do it again, you know. Here are some things that we discovered along the way. That's part of equipping. Does that make sense? And so we've got to really think through. This is one of the reasons that it's been a very slow start, but we've been practicing with this idea of huddles. What does it look like to do a, a huddle? Or like uh, Jim Ambro and the men's guys, they, they call it a band. Really what they're talking about is how do we form this joint and build one another up in Christ? That's what they're talking about. And when the fall comes, we've got to talk about what's it going to look like to, in a helpful way, do small groups. Because honestly, I get it, you guys. I, I've been through my own series of nightmare small groups. <laughs> so we've got to talk about what does it really look to follow Christ into these connections that he calls joints. And you know what? Sometimes the people in your life that take the most grace also are the biggest blessing in the long run. Come on, right? It's like, oh, I learned so much because of you. But it's good, and your heart breaks through, and you, and you really discover that. And so that's what we're going to really do is, is begin to take these next parts of the chapter to say, okay, Paul, you say you're going to equip us. Good, let's get equipped. You say you're going to help us to recognize how we're grace-charged carriers to help one another grow. We're going to do that as well. We're on that journey. But... In closing today, what I want to ask you to think about is this. I want you from now on 
The door that we're walking through is the door that says, I am a body builder. You are. Do you know that? Do you? Help me out. Good. And it's not like we have to be experts. My son's a fitness trainer. He drives me nuts. He doesn't evaluate my sermons. He evaluates my posture. Dad, you look like a gorilla up there. Sorry, I am a gorilla. You know, but... So we, it's not that we know everything about how to be a good bodybuilder, but we're saying, okay, if we're reading the book of Ephesians, if we're going to take it serious, we've got to figure out how to build this body up together. Fair enough? And so we're going to walk through that door together and do that. Now, a couple of things that I want to ask you to think about, just suggestions along the way about what it would look like. So this morning, when you came to church, did you come saying, Lord, who are you directing me to? Who do you want me to notice? Don't worry, there's do-overs. When you walk out those doors in a little bit, you can pray that same prayer. Lord, who do you want to send me to? Conversely, Lord, who are you sending to me? Who, who do I need to be open to? And when you do have these conversations in the cafe or the foyer or the parking lot, wherever they're having the conversations, listen for a moment and say, Lord, how do I communicate grace to this person in a way that they can understand? I'm meeting next week with a pastor whose head's on the chopping block. The church is a dearly loved church. It's part of my history. It's a mess. Part of it is the church forgot what the sport that they were playing. They forgot that they were into bodybuilding. And so as I was talking to this pastor, I said, let me ask you some questions and go as fast or as slow as you need to. He said, okay, yeah. I, I said, number one, did Jesus call you into this ministry? He said, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. No, I, I said, think about it. Give me a sure answer. Thought about it. He said, yeah, he did. Has Jesus told you anything else? What do you mean? Well, like, has he said, you're no longer in this ministry? He said, no. He said, it seems like there's a lot of people that are upset with me. I said, yeah, read the Old Testament prophets. Not everybody was happy with those guys. He said, yeah, well, what do I do? And I said, well, number one, we've got to listen to what is Jesus saying for us to do as we walk through this because no matter what, like when you read 1 Peter 2, when Jesus was insulted, he didn't return insult. He returned blessing instead because he kept entrusting himself to God who judges justly. I said, so as we walk through this, we've got to trust grace to carry us so that we're not killing the very people we're called to lead. When I said that to him, he was like, wow. He said, Would, could Jesus really do that? I said, yeah. So we prayed. A few days later, I mean, this guy was so, he was dangling on the precipice of just thrown in the towel. He called back, he goes, Jesus is doing it. What's he doing? He's, he's showing me fresh grace. He said, honestly, in my heart, I don't feel like killing him. I feel like hugging him. 
That's a grace connection. And I did that not because I'm so smart, not because so, I'm so good, because grace worked in my life as a grace carrier to work in his life that we could all discover grace and the body could be built up, right? Anyone not want that kind of grace in their life? See me after class. That's what we need to do. Because as we walk through that door and we share that grace, we plug people in, it's marvelous, isn't it? It's, it's just as good as it gets. So that's where we're going. That's what we're going to do. I did that all in 27 minutes. I want that on the recording. <laughs> and we're going to pray. Can we pray? You guys have been great this morning. You laughed at all my jokes. So much grace has flown. It really, it's kind of beautiful. So Lord, we, every person here, when you look down from heaven, you go, I'm so glad I, I created this person and that person and, and I, I put my grace in them. Lord, help us to recognize those grace connections here at Bridgewood. Help us to, to make those. And then once we've made those, help us to really walk with you in a way where the grace draws us closer. And that we really discover what it means to be built up in you. And Lord, we thank you that um, in a moment here we get to do the offering. And, you know, we're, we're giving to you, but also it's an opportunity to think about what we need to receive from you. So I pray this morning that whatever might be stirring in a person's heart, whether they uh, are feeling lonely, I think there's some that really do feel that. They feel disconnected. Give them fresh grace. Show them fresh connection. And as they, in a sense, one way put themselves in the basket, Lord, would you, out of your big basket, cause grace to come and a real connection to happen? We trust you for that now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.